Well, hello there. My name is Max Critchfield. I'm the pastor of College Age Ministry here at Three Crosses Church. And today we're talking about the truth that you are designed to worship. So far in this journey, we have established a definition of the image of God through the royal purpose, the why, the functional means to that purpose, what, spirit, soul, including our embodiment, our body. We have mentioned what it means to be A, fallen individuals yet still retain the image of God, and B, fallen image bearers that continue with the human project building communities. We explained that the gospel as a redemption and a restoration of humanity to the image of God and the person of Jesus Christ. Last episode, we established that you have a soul and it is important to see yourself as such. Today, we will pick up on this theme and introduce you to how we are able to relate to God with this spirit. And the key lesson for today is this, you are designed to worship. When we hear the word worship, the first thing that probably comes to mind is worship music. The songs we sing as God's gathered people on a Sunday morning, for example. And that is worship, for we are singing of the worthiness of God together, and it's a beautiful thing. But worship doesn't stop with a song. In John chapter 4, Jesus has an incredible encounter with a Samaritan woman. I invite you to read the whole thing, which takes place in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. As the conversation develops, it eventually dawns on the woman that she's not talking to just any ordinary person, but in her words, a prophet. And in response to that, she poses a question, where ought we to worship? In the temple in Samaria or at the temple in Jerusalem? In response, Jesus gives an answer that is of great relevance to our worship discussion. He says this in John 4, verses 21 through 24. He says, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The Samaritan woman asks Jesus about which location is correct for their worship. And in reply, Jesus says, in essence, it is not the location that matters when it comes to our worshiping. He says, we must worship in spirit and in truth. What matters is that we worship God in truth, in accordance with who he truly is, revealed to us in the scriptures and in the person of Jesus Christ. And we do so in spirit, with the essence of who we are, bringing worship and praise to the God who is spirit in everything we do. What an incredible privilege. When I think about the word worship, I like to expand it a bit and call it worthship. It's the idea of drawing attention in my words, in my actions, my life and pursuits to the one who is worthy of my everything. I image God and and reflect his worthiness into the world by living a life that reflects him in his surpassing good, love, truth, and mercy. I'm reminded of Romans 12, 1, where Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Stop there. What what is the mercy that he's referring to? The 
11 incredible chapters that have preceded Romans 12, where the incredible plan of God's salvation is explored in wondrous detail. And in a word, he sums that up in mercy. And then he goes on. He says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then he says this, this is your spiritual act of worship. To offer ourselves, our praise, our lives as living, ongoing sacrifices for the furthering of God's kingdom purposes in the world is our calling. It is our spiritual act of worship. This conversation about worship is especially relevant for this reason. We all worship something, whether we realize it or not. With our lives, our priorities, our actions, we lift up something as ultimate, as worthy, Maybe that is money or achievement or the approval of a certain group of people or a person or maybe even ourselves. But the truth that we've been exploring all along is this, that since we've been made in the image of God, we are made for the worship of one person, the God in whose image we've been made. In Jesus's temptation in the wilderness, Satan tempts him with all the kingdoms of the world if he will what? Bow down and worship him. But how does Jesus reply? With these powerful words in in Luke 4, 8, it says, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. What we worship has eternal significance, as we will see in our subsequent episodes. So then, friend, the question is this. Are you declaring His worthiness with your life? Wherever you find yourself, whatever you're doing, are you directing the attention of those around you to Him? What change might need to happen in your work, in your family, in your spirit to more fully offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? I pray that wherever you find yourself today, God would strengthen you and guide you to worship Him more and more rightly today. Amen.